Hello, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a legalist, but I saw the candles were up. Did you know that when we, uh, I first arrived here, there was a big table in front of the cross, and I thought, isn't that awful? No, we thought it'd be nice to have a table that let us be present to the cross. And so, um, three designs were proposed. And the, uh, the would-be builder said, I've got to tell you something. I said, what's that? He said, uh, one of those designs, I, I know I can't build. So we had three little models, and one of the models, <clears throat> he said, I I'm pretty sure I can't build that. Guess which one everyone chose. <laughs> and there it is. You know, those uh, sections have 14 pieces of wood that are all bent and they have an internal steel frame inside them. And, uh, of course, the idea was that we share communion each week, don't we? And there's something about light, too, for me, just as this is how I think. Um, you know, I think I'm a widow. It's all right. Creative people are. I thought there's something about light and there's something about the fact that we share the, the body and blood of Christ and there's something about the fact that we want, we want that celebration to flow up into the fact that Jesus is not here, he's risen. Anyway, that, that amazing engineer uh, uh, went away and came back with that magnificent table. And of course, you know, church tables had big kind of weird candles on them and stuff and I threw them in the river somewhere. Um, oh, Actually, Pat Love's got them. If you really want to know, Pat's got them under her bed somewhere. So, so it, but anyway, um, I thought, you know, we sang a song certainly at the first service about, about the Trinity. And uh, I thought it'd be great if we just, just had three candles that remind us that the way to God, the light of the world, is through the Father and the, by the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, it's not the point. It's January. I just thought I'd tell you that because I wanted to light the candles. It's January. Malcolm's my name. I'm um, the rector here, so if you're visiting, the senior minister, uh, welcome. Uh, here for a good time, not a long time. And so I hope this talk is relevant and short and sort of a bit of a, bit of a prompt, bit of a reminder, maybe. And Barb, you just wouldn't want to know. Just think about what Barb read for us as we listen to what I believe God had for me. Uh, this morning. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a practical sort of person by nature. Um, abiding for me is often, you know, going and building something or pulling the suspension out of my car or something, which is what I was doing this week. I find practical things kind of renovating and they help me get things in perspective, to get things kind of straight, simple, grounded down in the earth. I wonder what helps you get things straight, clear for you. What do you do to get things straight? In the Gospel reading today, Jan read for us that Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is amazing in our eyes. Jesus is in favour of, he's for getting things straight. 
the stone that the builders rejected has become the straight line for all things in heaven and on earth. And I just thought it would be good to remind ourselves what it means to be straight with him, straight with Jesus, who is the cornerstone. Now, you may not uh, have terribly much idea about cornerstones, but they have to do with stones usually in big structures. Um, They're the first cut stone that goes on the foundation. And so if we think about that as... uh, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus' authority, his sacrifice, his resurrection are all elements of the Christian faith that we as Christians do well to, to line up with. As Chelsea reminded us, we don't come into salvation by working for it, we come in by realising what God in Christ, the cut stone, the clear cornerstone uh, has done for us, and that that cornerstone is laid on the foundation, and off the angles of that perfectly cut stone, every other stone that's placed in the building takes its lead from that stone. So uh, here you are in the western wall of uh, the old city of Jerusalem. These are Herodian stones. You'll see that stone there disappears into the distance. It goes down there, I think it's about 12 feet, uh, big stones. That's not the cornerstone because what you're looking at just here, which I'll show you in that picture, is what's called the Cardo or the main street of the ancient city of Jerusalem. This is in October, by the way, just uh, visited recently. And, uh, oops, and it's... It's around about 14 metres further down. Watch the red pointer. Further down that you'll find the cornerstone. 14 metres further down. So it's a long way up and a long way down. This ancient uh, 2,000 year old plus um, wall that, on, on which the temple sat. This is, this is, as I said, the Cardo, and we can see that the Romans uh, in AD 70 made their contribution by smashing the walls down, and you'll see that these magnificent Herodian stones, as they're noticed, they sort of start to change around about here and probably reflect other periods of history until you've got the Ottoman Turk stones up there that are just a whole bunch of ravelly junk chucked on top of one another. But this is the ruination of those ancient stones and you can see the damage in the Cardo as they were thrown off. These stones were broken up and thrown down. They're not all there because they've been repurposed. But to get straight relied on the cornerstone. And I just want to share three cornerstone ideas. Cheryl and I lived for 10 years in a Christian community. Its name was Cornerstone. And I can say that uh, these three things that I'm going to share with you uh, were very relevant to life living uh, in a Christian community. The first idea is that everyone uh, thinks they, you and me, 
are straight. It's sort of a natural inclination that uh, whether it's Graham Whitley or John Herriot or me or Barb, we basically think that you do well to measure yourself against my perfection. Now, you may well say that's not true, but actually it, it actually is. Because as soon as I cross you, you will realign me in relation to you. So the thing is that the word of God says that there's one cornerstone who is Jesus and I naturally say, no, there's not, there's at least two and I'm the other one. That's just what people are like. So point one, particularly after 10 years living in a Christian community where we smashed and butted heads all the time, just stop it, would you? Stop stop thinking you're right. It just doesn't do you any good. It doesn't get you anywhere. Um... You can actually look right. Uh, Many of us in the western suburbs, we've done a load of work to make sure we look right. Uh, This is my kitchen I'm going to show you now. Um, I had a renovator in recently, very recently, because we're looking at doing something else, and he he said, your stove's wrong. Now, I didn't know my stove wrong was wrong. I said, what's wrong with my stove? He said, shouldn't stick up like that should be flush with the bench. Well, I thought it looked all right. I thought it was cornerstoned, you know. I thought it was kind of fitting properly. He said, no, nah, that's wrong. That should be flush. I said, oh, really? He said, look, I'll prove it to you. Now, he went, he went around the kitchen this way, sort of out to about where I am in the kitchen with his tape measure, and he said, look at that. He said... 900. He said, that's the right height, just there. And then he went right back past the stove and went, look at that, 890. Your house is crooked. (laughs) And the guy who installed the kitchen just followed the house. I can tell you now, your house is as crooked as crooked can be, however straight you think it is, however straight you think it is. There's one cornerstone, and then there's us. And some of us say, oh, she'll be right in relation to Jesus, because human nature is to declare ourselves right And then we declare that we'll sort him out in relation to ourselves. (laughs) But Jesus declares in these passages that whether you or I accept it or reject it, everything will ultimately be measured against him. And Chelsea, his perfection, he died because he is perfect. That's why he could deal with imperfection, sin and rebellion. He died. Our job is to come to the living stone who is our cornerstone. And it's interesting because Jesus declares to us, he says, the one who falls on this stone will hurt themselves. In other words, if you want to take the stone on, it'll hurt. And if the stone falls on you, look out. You see, it's it's the absoluteness of his laser-like a perfection that defines the whole creation. So to, to declare our lives straight at the beginning of 2020 is a bit pointless and futile. In, instead, we're told in Peter to come to him, 
a living stone. He is a living stone. And let yourself be rebuilt, remastered into a spiritual house. My kitchen... Oh, shares. You've dudded me one. My kitchen looks fine, but it's not straight. And I need to just be aware of that. The second thing... So that's one. Two... The second thing is that everyone will ultimately be measured against the cornerstone. So none of us are straight. We'll ultimately be measured against the cornerstone. Now, we can make that a big wah-wah. We don't need to. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 6 and 7, See, I am laying in Zion a stone. Zion is code for Jerusalem. And then we see the western wall where the cornerstone was laid 14 metres further down. I'm laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, there's Chelsea's message to us. Believe in him, you won't be put to shame. To you who do believe, he's precious. But for those who don't, The stone that the builders rejected is still the cornerstone, whatever the builders thought of it. You may or may not be aware that the piece of stone that Michelangelo carved the majestic David out of was a rejected piece of stone. No one could carve it. And it was uh, seen to have issues. But Michelangelo carved that stone and made it precious and extraordinary. The other interesting thing about the whole cornerstone image, uh, as we think about everyone being measured against it, is that, as that picture showed of the wall, the cornerstone is the first stone laid, but it's also sometimes referred to as the keystone in Scripture. So it's both the foundation, the cornerstone, and the finale, the last stone that's placed in the archway that keys everything together. So it's the foundation and the finale, the beginning and the end. Jesus both refits crooked things like me, who are open to him to be reshaped, and Jesus reflects straight, dead straight, dead true to crooked things. So we can measure ourselves by him and we can also be reshaped through him and by him. So the second thing is that everyone will be measured against the cornerstone. The first thing is that we're all crooked. So let's not think or pretend otherwise. Everyone is welcome. So thirdly, everyone who belongs to him must therefore take their lead from him. Must therefore take their lead from him. I remember in community we'd say our task and challenge together is to follow Jesus. If you will do that, we can make all our diversity and mess work. Everyone who belongs to him must take their lead from him, the cornerstone and his direction. Scripture says his ways are perfect and just. 
and he has plans for us uh, within that. The intriguing thing, and just a couple more pictures now, that brutal old wall that you saw right at the beginning has seen many, many bumps and crashes. And when you go about 20, 30, 40 minutes south of Jerusalem uh, into Hebron, now Hebron is a contested Palestinian area, so it's quite dangerous. And uh, I, I cut all the guards and the Sten guns and stuff out of this picture. But this, um, this is the tomb of Abraham and Sarah. And, uh, and um, Herod built it uh, himself. You'll see now it, it has the towers on it that denote a, an Islamic mosque. So today the tombs of Sarah and Abraham are an Islamic mosque. And... Um, I just wanted you to see uh, the quality of the stone because this is what that huge, massive Temple Mount Western Wall would have looked like. So this is like a mini one. And it's just extraordinary when you think that one day each of us will be fit into that cornerstone. You can't get a sheet of paper between these stones. There's no mortar in anything. And you'll see that they're, they're fluted, they're ribbed, they're beveled, they're all manner of things. It is just exquisite. That's well over 2,000 years old. You'll also see that then the Turks came along and they just chucked their stuff on top repurposed whatever was lying on the ground and, and went for it. I just want you to see that his ways are perfect and that will ultimately be his, his redemptive standard, you know. His sanctifying process won't get us there in this life but it will ultimately because we will be fit into him. So I want to ask the question, if we're to take the lead from him just as we close, how do we do that? Very quickly, one, two, three. You'll see in 1 Peter 2, verse 1, there are some things we're told to put off. So just a reminder, as we start the year, now, boy, do I need to do this. I'm number one disaster zone. There's some stuff we need to chuck off. Paul in Philippians talks about, he says, fling off the old clothes rotted through with lust's illusions. It's good in our minds, in the renewal of my mind, just say, oh, Lord, help me just to want a fling off. And in verse 1 of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, it says these sorts of things, malice, guile, trickery, insincerity, envy, slander. In other words, internal falsehood, Inter particularly internal falsehood. Some of those things are external, but the thing about Jesus is he's interested about the inside, not just the outside. The Jews were very external. Still are. I don't mean that critically. It's just true. We keep the law. It's external. Jesus was very much about the transformation on the inside as well. So chuck off. Open my mind to chuck off. And then put on. Put off. Put on. Put on. So what are we to put on? in 1 Peter 2 there. The first thing it says is like newborn infants long for, long for. Put on a heart of longing, longing for transformation, longing for change, longing 
for renewal and restoration. We're to long for pure spiritual milk, it says, that grows us into this salvation, if indeed you've tasted the Lord is good. So the first thing to put on is a prayerful longing. Just, oh, God, you know, walk on the beach. Oh, God, go for a swim. Oh, God, you know, give me a new something. Long for, that's the first thing. The second thing, verse 4, it says, come to him. Come to him. So we long for, shares it won't move, you must be, come to him. You'll notice that that's something we're doing now. We're coming to him in worship. Come up to him. Come to him. The next thing it says in verse 5 is, and like living stones, let yourself be built. You notice you don't do the building. You need to allow yourself to be shaped into him, into his shape and purpose. Let yourself be shaped. How does that happen? It happens in community. It happens when you're doing the dishes and you find that you're doing them with me and I'm really bossy. You know, or that you were on morning tea and you forgot and people are going, ooh, ooh, and you're going, oh, I just want to die and shrink. That's how it happens. That's how we let ourselves be built, how we apologise, how we don't defend, how we don't self-pity, how we open ourselves to being built into him and his favour and his grace. And then we're kind to one another. We're compassionate to one another. We don't say, your kitchen's 10 mil out. (laughs) You know, generally we say, you're doing a good job. Let's keep going together. You incur, Andy Howe taught me this, French. You encourage one another. You lift one another up. Let yourself And be like that for each other as a community of Christians. Come to him in worship. Oh, that's in. Did you notice that? Come together in community and let yourself be built. That's in, up, in. And then it goes on in verse 9. Proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of this crookedness into his marvellous light. That's what Chelsea did. She proclaimed the mighty acts of what God's done for her. It's up, it's in, it's out. That's an integrated Christian life as we enter this new year. We're crooked. We're crooked. Put off the falsehood. Put on the longing. Come to him in prayer and worship. Relinquish yourself to his remodelling and community and proclaim his great acts in your life. Lord, bless your people this morning. Think of that great big stone, perfectly honed and chiselled to be, well, perfect. And Lord, I and others here as living stones, well, I suppose one of the ways you you kind of get chipped to fit is you get dropped on, on another big stone and it hurts or another stone falls on you. And it shapes us and chisels us. So the tecton, Jesus was a tecton, a stonemason, a builder, so that the tecton shapes the stone to fit into the head of the corner and then ultimately finishes the work of art with the capstone. So he is the foundation 
and the finale. We worship you, Jesus, and we welcome you into our lives this new year for your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.